Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. We continue our series today on lies we believe about God. In fact, we will continue and complete that series today. Uh, Just in case you haven't joined us for the past several programs, Lies We Believe About God is the newest book from author William Paul Young. William Paul Young is the author of The Shack, which was a book first runaway bestseller. It sold over 20 million copies. So that, um, that, <laughs> the, the success of The Shack, I don't imagine William Paul Young is living in a shack. Uh, uh he has done quite well, undoubtedly. So, uh, his newest book is entitled Lies We Believe About God. And it is absolutely full of heresy. If you've been following this series, uh, you've, you've seen this and heard this. I've read you a number of excerpts from his book. And just last night, Kathy and I were in bed and, uh, we, uh, our routine at night is, uh, we get together, oh, around 8.30 or 9 or so and we read scripture together. We, uh, read some out of the Psalms, some out of the Proverbs. And then we work our way through the New Testament. And uh, so anyway, we were doing that last night. And then then we uh, get ready to go to bed. As I jokingly uh, tell my wife, I say, uh, are you ready to go take your face off? <laughs> take her makeup off and I'll go back there and brush my teeth. And so then we'll lay in bed and watch a little TV. Well, turned it on TBN. And, and they are really, really promoting this book. Um, lies we believe about God. They've got this guy named Tom Newman. He's some kind of a pastor. Not much of one, apparently. But uh, he's really promoting this book. And it is astonishing to me. I mean, you know, Word of Faith is bad. I mean, it's a heresy, and that's all TBN is, or at least 98% of it is Word of Faith theology. But now they are really, really gung-ho about the shack. They've been uh, airing these... Uh, the series of TV programs entitled Restoring the Shack. And, uh, it is, it is ironic that the, the shack is, is, is decidedly in this book, Lies We Believe About God is decidedly anti-Christian. It is William Paul Young thinks that he has uncovered the real hidden meaning of the gospel and the cross. He will acknowledge that Jesus was crucified, but he, he cannot come with an ex, up with an explanation for it or the necessity for it. Simply says something to the effect of, well, um, people uh, mistakenly believed that they were separated from God. That was a mistaken notion on, on our part, that uh, we were separated from God. And so we were angry about that, even though we really weren't separated from God. We, from God, we just thought we were. And so we were all angry about that and upset about it. And so Jesus died to uh, somehow get in the middle of our anger and upsetness. I know that's not a word, but, you know, our and disappointment. And, and uh, then he, and he was crucified because of that. Does that make any sense to you? 
Good. I'm glad because it doesn't make any sense to me either. And yet that is what he teaches. I don't even know. It's hard to even, I don't know what he's talking. I honestly don't know what he's talking about. It makes absolutely no sense. And this goes back to something that you may have heard me say in, in previous programs and other series. If you are reading the Bible and you come across a verse or a passage, or you come up with some interpretation to a text of scripture or some new interpretation of the gospel itself that that nobody else in the 2000 year history of the Christian church has ever seen before except you you're wrong okay you're wrong and i don't know i mean his his view of the cross isn't even really classical liberalism it is some I don't know what it is. I don't know what you call it. I mean, it it is some some new kind of nonsensical heresy. But um, uh, it, it is funny watching this show, Restoring the Shack. I'm sure it's on YouTube. But uh, if you have the stomach to watch it and you have absolutely nothing better to do, which hopefully you do. But uh, if you want to watch this series, Restoring the Shack, when it's over, he walks off. He's standing by some shack in uh, near Big Sky, Montana. And it, he, when this, when it's over, he turns around and he walks away from the camera and he raises both hands in the air as he's walking away from the camera, almost like, um, like he's Joe Montana who just threw a touchdown pass to Jerry Rice. And, you know, he raises his hands in victory like, yes, you know, I've found it. I've, I've uncovered the real meaning of the gospel. And now I'm going to give it to the world. Wow. Unbelievable. Just, just unbelievable. But, um, yeah, if you come up with some meeting that nobody else has ever seen before, you're, you're wrong. So, all right. Well, let's, let's go through these last, uh, couple of lies that he says we believe about God. In our last program, we talked about the lie that the cross was God's idea. He says that was a lie. Now, the last couple of lies we'll kind of jet through here. The next lie, lie number 19. In his book, God Requires Child Sacrifice. God Requires Child Sacrifice. William Paul Young says this on page 167 of his book, quote, One of the narratives about God is that because of sin, God required child sacrifice to appease a sense of righteous indignation and the fury of holiness, Jesus being the ultimate child sacrifice. Well, if God is like that, then doesn't it make sense that we would follow in God's footsteps? But we know intuitively that such a thought is wrong, desperately wrong, end quote. I don't even know where to begin with that. That is such a blasphemous statement. He says, his reasoning is this. Okay, if God requires a child sacrifice to, in his words, appease a sense of righteous indignation and the fury of holiness... If God requires a child sacrifice and we're supposed to be like God, well, then we should sacrifice our own children. According to his perverted logic and reasoning, if God sacrificed his son, then we should sacrifice our children. And the not-so-subtle insinuation is, reading between the lines, he's saying, okay, if God crucified his son if that, and we're supposed to be like God, then, and I know this is going to sound shocking, but the, I'm just reading this thing to you then we should go out and crucify our own children. What kind of perverted, dark mind 
could possibly read the New Testament and come up with something that twisted. But see, this is what we're seeing from William Paul Young is is the the, the fleshing out and the evidence of God's wrath, not as he would understand. Of course, he doesn't even believe in God's wrath. But we're seeing the Romans 1 chapter wrath. This, this is the wrath of abandonment. God apparently has given him over to a depraved mind. Only a sick, depraved mind could come up with that kind of interpretation from the New Testament. And it is, as I said a few days ago, he hates the God of the Bible. He hates God. He does not love God. He hates God. He hates the God of the Bible. He hates what he reads in the New Testament. And so he comes up with some new interpretation, some new new God, little g. And so he is an idolater. He has made a God out of his own image. This reminds me of what God said, uh, and when I read this from him, it just, this immediately came to my mind. In Psalm chapter 50, verse 21, God says, you thought I was altogether like you. You thought I was just like you. That's a, that's kind of a chilling uh, statement coming from the Alpha Omega. You thought I was just like you. Dear friends, mm, God is not just like us, okay? Uh, and But yet this is the heart of what is wrong with the shack. This is the heart of what is wrong with this book, Lies We Believe About God. This is the heart of what is wrong with with every aberrant um, movement or sect out there that, that claims the name of Christ, claims to be Christian, is that they have created a God after their own image. It's just uh, um, amazing that, that and this book is being promoted heavily promoted by TBN. TBN is is an anti-Christian network, anti-Christian. All right, next lie. This is he lists as lie number twenty-one. Next lie is this: he uh, that death is more powerful than God. Death is more powerful than God. He says that that is a lie. And guess what? On its face. Yes, on its face, it is a lie. But how you and I would understand that statement, death is more powerful than God, is not at all how William Paul Young would understand that statement. And that is not at all what he means. William Paul Young then goes on to relate. And again, when you read these chapters, very, very little scripture, very little scripture. All of it is his own feelings, his own emotions, his own anecdotes, his own stories and and tales and Aesop's fables would be would have contained more sound doctrine than than anything coming from William Paul Young, but uh, he he relates this conversation that he was having with a friend of his, and apparently his friend was a bit uh, a bit more uh, clear thinking than he in his theology, because in this conversation that he was having with his friend, the topic came up about whether or not someone has a second chance after death, post-mortem, to uh, accept or reject Christ. And his friend said, no, no, he, he did not believe. Actually, as I recall reading the book, I think this was a woman. But the woman said, no, I don't believe that there is a second chance after death. 
And so William Paul Young says this. He said, quote, To be clear, you don't think we have any choice post-mortem after we die? You don't think we can change our minds? The person then, according to William Paul Young, burst into tears. This woman, I believe it was, she burst into tears. And William Paul Young says this on page 183, quote, You see, my friend really loves me, truly loves me. Since what I was proposing could not possibly be right, I was potentially a danger, not only to myself, but to many others as well. You may feel the same way, end quote. Yep, William Paul Young, I sure do. I feel exactly the same way. I do believe that you are a threat, William Paul Young. You are a threat to yourself because you are you are entrenched in your sin and your heels are dug in and you are not willing to bend the knee to the truth of God's word. So yes, I think you are a danger to yourself and you are a danger to many others to the 20 million who have read your book plus 20 million and counting and however many poor unfortunate souls uh, shelled out 10 bucks to go see the movie in the theater I and Jim Osmond being two of them but not for the reasons that most people went so yeah I do, I do think you're a threat I think you're an ap- absolutely a threat and that TBN is promoting this so heavily yes uh, as Paul says if If I or an angel from heaven comes and preaches to you any other gospel, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. And of course, uh, the Apostle Paul is using hyperbole there because uh, no no angel, no none of the elect angels would ever do that. Only fallen angels. But the point is, any 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 gospel that is that is uh, a, a departure from what we read in the New Testament is a false gospel. Let's remember what the Galatians did to qualify for a false gospel. They, they added but one thing to the gospel. They were right on everything, but they added just one thing, and that was circumcision. Circumcision. And Paul said, Who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? So it, it, is, a, it is a serious, very, very serious thing. But um, anyway, his point is, is that even if you die in your sins, if you die as someone who rejects Christianity, rejects Christ, rejects the gospel, and you are either a professing atheist or you're a Hindu or a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hare Krishna or a Branhamite or whatever, uh, if you die having rejected Christ, then guess what? you still get another chance. In fact, not only do you get another chance, well, you really don't get another chance because God's going to take you to heaven whether you want to go or not. He's going to take you there anyway because he's a universalist. He does not believe in hell. Okay, we're going to move right along here so we can get through these last two lies. Number 24, next lie that we'll talk about, uh, chapter 24, number 24. Here's another lie. According to William Paul Young, the, state, the following statement is a lie. Not everyone is a child of God. He says that's a lie. According to William Paul Young, everyone is a child of God. And he speaks of his friend in the book named Matt. And Matt is a professed atheist. And I do use the term professed atheist because I do not believe in atheist. Neither does God. There is no such an animal as an atheist. Richard Dawkins is not an atheist. Christopher Hitchens 
is not an atheist. Which one? One of those two guys is dead. Right now, I can't remember which one it is. But um, all these all these famous atheists, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. I used to like that show when I was a kid, by the way. Bill Nye, the science guy. It had kind of a catchy theme song. I remember that show, Bill Nye. I thought it was pretty entertaining. But anyway, Bill Nye, the science guy, he's not an atheist. Every professing atheist is really a, a theist. They they believe in God. They believe because everybody believes in God. The question is, are you going to bend your knee to God? And most people will not because they they love themselves. They love their sin. They love themselves, and to truly believe in the God of the Bible, that necessitates a bending of the knee to him and in obedience to him. And the vast majority of people just don't want that. So at any rate, uh, he says it is a lie to say that not everyone is a child of God. Well, what does the Bible say? If you hear somebody say this, oh, well, we're all children of God. I (laughs) I remember Years ago, when I was at uh, First Baptist Church, Vicksburg, we had an interim pastor there named Michael Johnson, Dr. Michael Johnson. I don't know if he's still teaching at uh, Mississippi College or not, but I remember he made this statement. He said, uh, "We are," and he was he was speaking of uh, Muslims. He said, "We are all God's children." Uh, no, we're not. We are not all God's children. John chapter one, verse twelve, is very clear about who. God's children are. John chapter 1 verse 12. So if you ever hear somebody say, we are all God's children, uh, here's here's your go-to verse. There's a number of them, but here's, here's your go-to verse. John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, referring to Christ, of course, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who are the children of God? Only believers, dear friends. All of us are God's creation. He has created all of us. But not all of the people he has created are his children. Only those who have received Christ as Savior and Lord are the children of God. Okay, the next lie, number 27 He says, this is a lie. To say that sin separates us from God, that, according to William Paul Young, is a lie. Now, he rightly says in his book on page 227 that sin, in the Greek word hamartia, means to miss the mark. But according to William Paul Young, missing the mark is not the mark of perfect moral behavior, which, of course, is what God says that the mark is, but William Paul Young doesn't believe that. It's because, you see, he's smarter than God is. He knows better than God. So the mark for William Paul Young is not perfect moral behavior. The mark is, in his words on page 227, you can't make this up, the mark is the truth of your being. So whatever your the truth of your being is, that's the mark. And you know what? I don't even know what that is. What the truth of I don't even know what he means by that. But whatever he means by that, according to him, that's the mark. And so if you miss this mark, which I don't even know what he's talking about, so if I don't even know what he's talking about, I'm not even sure how I could hit it. Uh but he said that's sin. That's missing the mark, the truth of who of of your being. Well, what does the Bible say? 
Well, the Bible says that sin does separate us from God. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Isaiah 59, verse 2. So if you ever hear this, sin does not separate us from God, here's where you go. Isaiah 59, verse 2 says this, But your iniquities, sins, have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Dear friends, sin does separate us from God. God hates sin because no evil dwells with him. According to Psalm chapter 5, verse 4, no evil dwells with God. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4. And so, yes, our sin does separate us from him. That is why Christ came to die, to reconcile man, not all of man, but to reconcile his elect to himself, men and women from every tongue, tribe, and nation, to reconcile to himself. Why did we need reconciliation? Well, the Bible speaks often of reconciliation. We needed reconciliation because our sins had separated us from God. William Paul Young rejects that. William Paul Young is a heretic. All right, dear friends. Well, I hope that this has been helpful for you. Um, again, not to uh, not to beat the the dead horse of the shack and all. We I know we spent a considerable amount of time on it, but. This is this is another it's it's kind of the next thing on the horizon. Well, it's past the horizons. It's it's on the it's in the here and now. And and we need to be aware of this and I wanted to talk about these because um I want you to be equipped. Uh, when you hear these things, I want you to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And uh, just uh, another latest manifestation of um Christian quote-unquote heresy. Okay, dear friends, well, uh, I want to thank you for joining me, and we will continue, Lord willing, tomorrow. I'm going to interview Mike Miller. I think that will play tomorrow, if not tomorrow, the next day. I mean, uh, yeah, tomorrow, the next day, by the time you're listening to this. And uh, talk about some of the experiences that we've had. And then I want to do a series on the attributes of God. I know I have a number of new listeners now. I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for my new listeners. And I want us to go through uh, the attributes of God. I, I think this will be a real, real help for us, uh, a time of enrichment for us all as we come to, to uh, know God better by studying his attributes. All right, dear friends, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, if you happen to live... Anywhere near Sydney, Ohio, I will be doing my first preaching engagement since this issue with my arm began, uh, certainly since surgery, and so I'm going to to get back out there, out there and Adam again. So uh, strike out uh, this this weekend for uh, Sydney, Ohio. I'll be actually I'll be at an Assembly of God church if you believe it or not. Assembly of God church wants me to come in uh, Sydney, Ohio. So uh, that will be this coming Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Uh, All right. So would love to see you if you can come. Thank you very much for joining me, dear friends. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.